We are live on No Vision Internet Radio Facebook page, and today is Saturday, April the 17th, 3 o'clock here in El Paso, Texas, and we are both live on Facebook and Twitter, and today's guest, uh, we're going to talk to Ms. Melissa Hickson. Last year, unfortunately, her husband had passed away from COVID, but there's a lot to this story, folks, a lot, and you're going to be amazed, and you're going to get angry, you're going to throw stuff at the, at the screen, and don't say bad words. You know, the thing is, it's really sad regarding what her what happened to her husband. And the theme that's really eye-opening is this is not a singular issue. It's been happening. It's going to happen. And, and so, first of all, let's, let's introduce uh, first, let's go with my co-host, Mr. Jesus Bautista. Good afternoon, sir, and uh, Ms. Hickson. And I hope that uh, the, our listeners are going to pay special attention because this topic is a serious topic. Yeah, it is. Miss Hickson, good afternoon, ma'am. Hello, good afternoon. How's the weather over there? Are you in Austin right now? I'm in Austin. How's the weather out there? The weather is actually nice, but the sun keeps going in and out, but it's a beautiful day other than that. Is it a very political day? It it seems that way too. That is. <laughs> <laughs> How was the weather during the? the, the we hit, we impacted pretty bad with that wintry weather that came in. Oh my was, gosh, yes, it, really? it lasted. Yeah, but fortunately, our electricity and our water stayed, so we didn't have any time without it. But yeah. it was really bad. See, uh, good, the good thing about me, Mister Bossy, is that we don't need light. So <laughs> yeah. not really. <laughs> we, 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 we function real well in the dark, and <laughs> I, walk, I walk around the house. And sometimes, my when my nephews come over, they say there was a ghost walking around here last night. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was me. So we're gonna do, uh, Miss uh, Hickson. We asked permission, and we're gonna go ahead and play. She she wants us to play two clips. There's going to be two videos. One is the eight-minute-long clip where Ms. Hickson describes the, it, the timeline, what happened. And pay attention, folks. Pay real good attention to the timeline, okay? And right. then after we come back to put more context into what Ms. Hickson's described, we're going to play the clip, the audio clip. Oh, it's a video, but it's audio of Ms. Hickson talking to the physician, the treating physician. Was he the, 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 the primary physician? Yes, he was. he was. Yes. Okay. And you're going to see, folks, that, you know, it's just amazing in 2021 or actually 2020 stuff like this is still existing the the, the mentality but anyway so you want to say anything before we go into the, the clip with Miss Hickson no okay we'll go ahead and play that and uh, we'll be right back hello my name is Melissa Hickson and I'm the wife of Michael Hickson who was murdered on June the 11th 2020 I'm making this video because I know there have been a lot of questions surrounding what happened to him. And the truth is, he was murdered. On June 2nd, he was admitted to St. David's South Austin Hospital with symptoms of low-grade fever, coughing, and trouble breathing. On June the 5th, the hospital, uh, with the doctor, the ICU doctor, Dr. Viet Vo, had a conversation with me in the hallway. And during that conversation, that call was recorded. And the doctor stated that the reason that he felt that he would not treat my husband any further was because he was disabled. And that disability caused him to believe that my husband had poor quality of health. That doctor, along with a third-party guardianship that was put in place by the Travis County Probate Court Family Elder Care, decided together the fate of my husband, which was to make him a DNR hospice status. 
So February the 5th, he was moved to a hospice floor within St. David's South Austin Hospital. They withdrew food, fluid, and any type of medical treatment to him at that point and allowed him to sit in a bed for six days, feeding him morphine and Ativan until he finally passed away on June the 11th. During this time, I pleaded with them, with the doctors, with the Family Elder Care Organization, with Jessica Drake and Nicole Yates, with Family Elder Care, to please, please stop this. They refused. On June the 11th, he passed away at 10.10 p.m. And I was not contacted until June the 12th at approximately 11.30 a.m. That call came from hospice care, a contractor within the hospital that took care of the hospice service. It was not from Family Elder Care. It was not from St. David's South Austin Hospital. 11.30 a.m., I was contacted and told. Family Elder Care advised us that they wanted to call wanted us to call to let you know that your husband passed away at 10.10 p.m. last night. They asked me at that point if I'd like the funeral home information, which I took. I contacted their funeral home, who then told me that I had no rights again. They needed to contact Family Elder Care to get permission. He did call me back, and he did actually advise me that at the time that my husband passed away, those rights were given back to me and that I was now responsible for his burial arrangements. All that week, I contacted the hospital and tried to have FaceTime visits with my husband, and each day the hospital responded that they would call me back, but they never did. I contacted Family Elder Care that same week, on Thursday morning, through an email, and requested FaceTime visits with my husband, as had been requested of me at the hospital, was to contact them for that. At 9.05 a.m., I contacted Family Elder Care and told them that the hospital requested that I get permission from them to have FaceTime visits and also to get an update. I didn't receive a response back from Family Elder Care until approximately 7.58 p.m. Thursday night that said that my husband was the same and that I needed to contact the hospital for for FaceTime visits with him. That was 7.58 p.m that night. He passed away at 10.10 p.m. I was never notified. I was never told anything. The next day when I got that call from hospice care was the first I'd heard that he passed away and I never had a chance to even say goodbye. I wanted to clarify that because there have been some posts where people have asked the question about why as a spouse I didn't have guardianship over my husband. And the answer is, we live in a world with a system that is so out of touch. They took the rights away from me because I refused to place them in a nursing home. And based on that, they felt that I was not allowing him to get the care that he needs, that I was blocking him from care, which is contrary to exactly what was happening. What I wanted for my husband was for him to go to a place where they specialized in rehabbing people that have brain and spinal cord injuries. So that court conspired against me at that point by contacting my sister-in-law, Renee Hickson, and they together worked to file an application against me. And at that point, the court decided to place temporary guardianship with a company or organization that had no prior dealings with someone of this complexity. To my knowledge, the month of May and June, 
family elder here never had contact with him. They never went to the facility to visit. They never had FaceTime visits with him and did not know his personality the way I did. So they weren't checking on him. A little backstory too, as far as the COVID-19 issue. He was diagnosed with COVID May 15, 2020. I was sent an email from Family Elder Care on May the 10th to advise me that someone in that facility, which was Brush Country Rehab and Nursing, that someone had tested positive. On May 15th, I received an email allowing me uh, to know that my husband tested positive. On May the 25th, I received an email from Family Elder Care to let me know that he had tested negative. On June the 2nd, I received a call that he was being transferred to the hospital. So in this scenario, again, I want to let you know whose responsibility was it? That facility did not protect my husband. The guardianship person or organization did not protect my husband. The hospital did not protect my husband. And the court system did not protect my husband. There's an audio tape that's gone out with the conversation with myself and the doctor that took place that Friday in which he informed me of the reason that he was not providing treatment for my husband. That's crazy. To not treat someone based on you believing that their quality of health is one in which that you want to save their life is not right. Disabled people are people just like anybody else. Black people are people just like anybody else. And everybody deserves the right to live. Everybody deserves the right to be treated when they're admitted to the hospital. Who has the right to make that decision? Surely it's the person themselves or their family. And I have been disregarded. The care in which Michael's received over the past three years have been one in which I've oversaw and I've taken care in making decisions for his best interest. We moved from Dallas to Austin based on good care for him. I moved myself and my five children to Austin to make sure that he got the best care. And his voice, which was me, was ripped away from him. That's not right. I am asking today that you seek out these places that have caused this issue. Hold them accountable. I want justice for Michael Hickson. He deserves so much more. And now today, I'm a widow and my children fatherless because someone decided that his life wasn't worth treating. That's not right. Please post and share this video to the Travis County Probate Court, to Family Elder Care, to St. Davis South Austin, to Dr. Viet Vo, to Renee Hickson, to Jessica Drake, to Nicole Yates. Post and share that you want justice for Michael Hickson, that you want justice for people that have disabilities, that you want justice for people that are seen to not have quality of life in someone's eyes. Post and share this video. Thank you. Wow. That's that's a that's a story there, Miss Hickson. It's so sad that you had to go through that. Um, so we're gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna ask Miss Hickson for permission. We're gonna play the audio of. This is your discussion with the the, the treating physician, right, ma'am? Yes, it is. Okay. So we're gonna play the clip. This is a five minute clip, and 
listen to the way he's talking to a wife of of a man that's in distress. Okay, just think about that first in the context, and uh, we'll go ahead and play that clip and come back. So as far as remdesivir, if it's if it's a certain criteria, and it's not that we're afraid of side effects, it's that you have to fit a certain criteria. Right now, that criteria is requiring intubation. So if you if you were to get intubated, then you would be out. Um, but at, at this point, with with the decision is, do we want to be extremely aggressive with his care, or do we want? Uh, do we feel like this this will be futile? And the big question of futility is one that we always question. And the issue is, will this help him improve his quality of life? Will this help him improve anything? And will he, will it ultimately change the outcome? And the thought is, none of, the answer is no to all of those. Because as of right now, his quality of life, he doesn't have much of one. So because, these are the, because he's full on the brain again, <clears throat> he doesn't have quality in life. Correct. Okay. Who gets to make that decision whether somebody's quality of life, if they have a disability, well, it's definitely not me. quality of life is not good. So it's not me. I don't make that decision. However, it's, <clears throat> will it affect his quality? Will it improve his quality of life? No, the answer is no. But why wouldn't it? Being able to live isn't improving his quality of life? There's no improvement with with being intubated with a bunch of blind tubes in your body and being on a ventilator for more than two weeks. Each of our people here have COVID and they're in respiratory failure. They've been here for more than two weeks. So they so basically aren't here. Just having to die. If I were to be correct, yes. So if somebody doesn't die, you're going to think that that was just so chance. I can count with one hand. There's three patients that have made it through, but you can count three. Correct. Okay. Correct. Exactly. And I, and I, and I get, I get your point. Like there, <laughs> there are three. However, he doesn't fit those three. Those three are young people that don't have medical problems. This guy is young, but he has a number of medical problems. So just so you know, my uncle is 90 years old. Right. He had COVID. Right. He has a bunch of medical problems. He has cancer. Well, I would, I would consider that a blessing in every minute that he's still alive, a blessing. Which is why to me you can't say that though, because right. all, the, all the directions pointed to him as being a risk, that he would make it, and he did. And I just had another relative of mine pass away right. who was younger than him. Well, I'm going to go with the data. I don't go with the stories, because stories don't help me. Okay. Me too. So did those three that made it, did they get that res, them, whatever it's called? They, they did not. No. They just, they fought it just on their own with oxygen. With oxygen. And how long were they here? Uh, probably about one and a half to two weeks, some of them even longer. So, so he's been here now since Tuesday. Right. However, his quality of life is different than theirs. They were walking, talking, people. Well, you can't walk, obviously, even walk through the door to get here. So. Right. <laughs> And and, and I don't mean to be frank or or abrasive or anything, but at this point, we we're gonna do what we feel like is best for him, along with the state, and this is what we decided. So the fact that you're killing someone doesn't we don't think it's, we don't think it's killing okay. because I don't know when or if he will die, but I do think we're all gonna die at some point. Right, exactly. <laughs> we we all you're right. We are we all are gonna die. 
So <clears throat> I don't know when or if he will die. Although but, but at this point, I don't think it would be humane or compassionate to put a breathing tube in this man and do the lines and tubes and all that stuff because I don't think it will benefit him. And I totally agree with you with the information part of it. I, I, part of it, I don't want him to do But I also don't think that you should just sit him somewhere to be comfortable until he finally just drifts away. Right. That to me is futile too. Because that's, that's saying that you're not trying to save somebody. Like you're just watching them go. The ship is failing. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense to me to not try. I don't, I don't get that part. Right, and it's, it's not, it's not easy. None of these things are easy, and this is a calculated decision, and we feel like this is what's gonna be best for him. Okay. Okay. So if this were your spouse, you would be okay with this. I would totally you? do this if it was my mom, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my spouse. That's a lie. You wouldn't. You can call me a liar. You can do whatever you want. However, I would. This is how I feel. I've seen this certainly more than you have. And I've seen people die. You say it more as if you haven't felt it like this, because it's not personal. You don't know anything about me. Well, and you don't know about me. Okay, let's. I, I know, know this is hard. I know. I know. I know this is hard, but let's. This has been three years of watching it, so you don't know my life either. Right, and I'm not saying that I do. But what what what, what I'm going to tell you is that this is a decision between the medical community and the state. And the state. And forget about his wife and his family. His. I have nothing to do with that. And he is different because he cannot talk and walk. Exactly. The 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 thing that uh, is is hard about listening to the that doctor is that he keeps saying that we have made that decision, but it doesn't in, imply or implicate the we. Who are they? You know who who made that decision? The state. He says the state. Well, the mm -hmm. state. I don't. I don't believe that the state made that decision. So what he was he was referring to because he he did actually say the medical community and the state. Um, and when he refers to the state, he's referring to the guardianship organization or the court appointed guardian is who he's referring to when he says that. Yeah, and I and and I find it difficult to believe that the 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 court even went ahead and appointed a, a guardianship because I think legally I think you had every right, all the rights were yours, not. Not the 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 state or well, let's, let's do this, uh, Miss Hickson. I, I want to. Yeah. We gave a story. Let's talk about Mr. Hickson. Who was he? So for those who don't didn't know him, yeah. the man that that you fell in love with. Who who, uh, who was he? The man, the myth, and the legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So he was just really the best person ever um he had a smile that would just totally light up a room if you talk to anybody that he ever met um even old friends like um elementary high school all the way up to his jobs they would always say that he had just this smile this infectious smile um interesting thing about him he was sick he was just just a little over six feet tall 300 pound man um you know, and he walked, he entered a room and everyone noticed just because of his stature and just yeah. his yeah. confidence. You know, so I think initial for most people was kind of intimidating to see this big black man walking around, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and but little did they know he was as we, my children and I say this all the time. He was as gentle as a teddy bear. Yeah. I mean, wow. you know. Big stature, but just so sweet, so innocent, so loving. He loved people. He loved God. He was a faith-believing um, man. Um, and he loved his family and his children. Um, you know, I told, I've told this story before, too, when we first met. One of the things that he 
always said that he wanted was kids. I want a lot of kids. We have five. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he wanted a lot of kids and he wanted a house. We got the kids. We never made it to the house. Um, we were so close and we never made it to that house. But the kids were his life. Um was he very was smart he, man. Uh, was he um in in a wheelchair uh, at a certain time uh, time in, in in his life there when he uh, when he became uh, uh you know dis disabled or mm -hmm. so <clears throat> in 2017 he went into he went into sudden cardiac arrest um okay. yeah. he was driving me to work he passed out at the wheel okay. um he was unconscious for a long period of time and that's where the quadriplegia played in um mm. he, was paralyzed as a result of extensive CPR. He had also cortical blindness. He could not see um, as a result of the sudden cardiac arrest episode he had and the anoxic brain injury. Yeah. So he did have a wheelchair um, prior to 2018. Um, so like the latter part of 2017, he had a wheelchair that he yeah. um, he used, but he couldn't, push it on his own but he he did have a wheelchair at that point yeah so moving forward to today uh, as of today uh april the 20th or 17th i know earlier this month uh, a bill was introduced into mm -hmm. the state senate so can you talk about that i sure can we kind of touched on it a little bit you mentioned um why the guardian made the decision and that i should have been the one to do it um so the bill came about for that reason um that was one of the things that i thought about that really could have made a difference in the situation was for me to have a voice um so the bill actually addresses that um it's it's called the Michael Hickson Act. It's uh, Bill HB 3063. And what it does is it gives um, the right to make the end of life or care decisions um, back to the family or back mm -hmm. to the next of kin if they're under professional guardianship. So that's something that we're working on now. It's currently in the house and pending. Um, so we're just, we're just hoping for support. If you're listening, please support that bill so it can get pushed out um, and we can move forward to having that into law. Repeat that bill number again. Um, it's HB 3063. Okay, folks, please, who are okay. listening, uh, support, you know, call your state senator, uh, you know, ask them to support it. Um, I think here in El Paso, if I'm not mistaken, is Art Fiedel. I could be wrong. But anyways, uh, this, this is the thing, folks, that, that the doctor said. That's why I got kind of emotional. When he says, well, he couldn't see and, and walk, so his quality of life wasn't there. And I'm like, yeah. the doctor, he's, I don't know, what, what, what went to your mind besides just knocking the holy crap out of him? I mean, seriously. <laughs> I, I, I was, well, last night while I was listening to it, I was, I was very upset because I'm like, Really? You couldn't go there, but what went to your mind, Miss Simpson, when you heard those words? Well, it was it was so shocking um, because he had been in another in and out of the hospital quite frequently over the past um, three years. Mm -hmm. So, in each of those times, no one ever said that. That was the first time anyone's ever verbally said it. Now, I don't know if the thought was there because you know. I'm sure it was, but this particular person actually said it and I was in shock. So that's why you hear in the conversation, me getting clarity from him. Mm -hmm. So yeah. do you mean because he is quadriplegic and you know, has a brain injury? Yeah, I wanted to make sure that I heard him correctly when he said it. And then he actually just kept going with it. He, you know, yeah, he he's first he mentions, you know, his age and the fact that he 
doesn't walk and talk. Yeah. And I was I was stunned. Yeah. Now, is there any legal rep repercussions for this? Can you do anything regarding this legally or not? So right now, currently, the um, the guardianship portion of it is actually under litigation right now with family elder care. Um, that's currently under litigation. Um, we're still working out some whether or not we're going to push um, for litigation with the hospital. Okay. Um, and that that's a possibility as well. Now, before I forget, going back to the bill. Now, I saw some Facebook posting that uh, Disability Rights and the Coalition for uh, or People with Disabilities, I hope I'm saying that wrong, right, that they did not sponsor the bill or they are sponsoring it? So during the hearing, we actually had our first hearing um, about two weeks ago for the bill, and there was some opposition from both organizations. Um, they really just didn't like um, certain aspects of the bill. I think particularly what struck them was more they wanted the court to intervene um, if the next of kin wasn't able to. They didn't want, because initially in the bill, there was um, the mediator part of it. If there was no next of kin was going to be a disability organization. And I think they they didn't want that part in the bill. Um, there were just some, I think, some points in there that they just did not agree with those two particular organizations. Now, have they changed their posture or is it still opposed to it? As far as I know, the posture is still the same. Um, I'm hoping that there'll be some change in support with them. We actually did do some updates to the bill itself. It's, it's actually currently um, being edited to kind of incorporate some of a kind of a compromise for some of the things that they were opposing. So hopefully that will bring us together um, and we'll get their support for the bill. Who's supporting the bill right now? So right now it's, it's Texas uh, Democrats with Disabilities, um, Not Dead Yet. Um, and we do have just some individual support from just, just independent disability activists. Um, have but, you got any support from the representatives, the state representatives or the or federal representatives like um, our, our representative here in El Paso? Or so no, so I haven't heard of any. The only one really right now is the author of the bill currently, which is um, Senator, I'm sorry, Representative Smithy. So he does support the bill. He's actually the author of the bill currently mm -hmm. that's, um, that's in the House right now. So, okay, this is what I want to do, folks. I want to really get support behind this bill. Um, you know, call your senator. It didn't take yeah. much. It really, really, really doesn't. To call your senator here in El Paso and say, hey, ma'am, sir, please support this bill. Because uh, it's, it's, it's essential when it comes to end-of-life decisions, I think, Ms. Hickson, because, like yeah. you said, you know him better. Correct. You know, you know you, you're his, come on, you're his wife. But yet you have a third-party organization, God knows where they're at. No, you know, okay, we're going to do this and do that. And that's just so frightening because it's, it's happening. Well, you know, uh, George, if, if uh, he had passed away from COVID, if just, if, you know, if, if they had just been intelligent enough to realize, okay, you know, COVID's going to get him anyway, you know, uh, or whatever, you know. But no, they, they went ahead and, and made a decision on their own to, to remove, you know, everything, the food, everything, you know. And that yeah. that's where it bothers me because we we all have a right to live. And no matter, you know, you got people who have cancer, you have people who are, you who, who have other illnesses that, uh, you know, and, and you have to wait. You have to, you know, give them the opportunity to live as long as they want. We all want to live as long as we want to. We, hang, we want to hang on to life as much as we can. 
Yeah. yeah. And more and more importantly, you all need I think I need to notate this as well that you know, there are other people that have been diagnosed with COVID that have tested positive that are in hospitals that are being treated. As yeah. you mentioned, even itself, that the other people that were in the ICU were also they've been there for like weeks yeah. being treated. He'd only been there at that time for three days and they had <laughs> decided not to treat him any further. So those people that were already there for two weeks to being treated, people are being treated for COVID and surviving, but yeah. they weren't even willing to do that for him. And then that's another thing that really bothers me too, because like yeah. you, you don't give that hope, you don't give that chance mm-hmm. of what if, what if you would have provided. Now, granted, it's just the odds, but what if you never know? It was just a miracle, you know. And they say, you know, he couldn't talk. Well, you know, you think because he couldn't talk, he 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 wouldn't. He's not thinking, you know, telling you, please don't don't take my life, you know. Well, um, he actually did talk. And that's the interesting thing about it. You know, they, they mentioned that he didn't walk or talk. He actually did talk. Okay. Um, yeah, he, he did. And so that's, you know, that shows you too that he didn't know him because okay. we had just had FaceTime right before this conversation in the hallway. We had FaceTime with him in his room mm-hmm. and he shook his head. He, you know, I told him to, to blow me a kiss. He blew me a kiss. He couldn't talk at that point because he had a BiPAP over his mouth. Yeah. Um, but he could, you know, he talked to our children all the time. There was a FaceTime that we had like the day after that, where he told my daughter, don't drink. <laughs> you know, we have a recorded of him saying that yeah. to her. Yeah. He could talk. He, the doctor, again, this goes back to him not knowing him, you know, and so he didn't know. And it was really interesting too, if you notice for the, those who are, who are watching or hearing the, the audio, towards the end of that video, he copped an attitude like, "Well, you don't know me," and, and I'm like, "Dude, you're you're not you're 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 a, uh-huh. you're a professional, you know." Uh-huh. You know that's well, what it, it bothered me too because he says, um, "If it was my mom, my dad, or my I, I, I would do the same." You wouldn't. I don't, I don't care how you know. You want your parents yeah. to survive as yeah. long as they can. Miss Hickson, do you know what? And I'm gonna say this. Do you know what Kaka Toro is? No. Kaka Toro is. Is bullcrap. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's yeah. that's true because there's no way, there's no possible way you can say, okay, yeah, all right, whatever. And, we'll just, and, you yeah. know, we, we, people who have diabetes like myself, and you see people who have been go to dialysis, and they want to survive as long as they can. They want to extend their life as as long as they can. They want to be around the family. And for him to say that, you know, that well, if it was my mother or my sister, or, uh, I, I would feel this. I would do the same thing. You just wouldn't, you know. No. Uh, that's, that's, uh, and, and if you're the kind of person that would make that decision, I mean, would say something like that, then, you know, that questions. You're heartless. What kind of, correct. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Exactly. You're heartless. I think what it is, he's, he's, he's so jaded. You, he said, well, I, there's people dying all the time here. There's, and I'm like, that's, wow, that's what I was just... referring to, George, when I said that, that, that um, they're, they're so cold because they've been, they've observed death so long for so many, even like the nurses, you know, they, they come out of there traumatized because they've been, they've seen, you know, people die day after day. And so they, pretty soon they develop that coldness, you know. Of, like my, well, my mother, you know, she, she was, she was, she was, uh, she had Down syndrome. She got diagnosed, I want to say May, March 2nd of this year, and she, a week and a half she passed. She passed away, and yeah. And, and I, I think of that. I put that in my head. I wonder, because she has Down syndrome, did they really provide that top quality? And this is a thing. Just a yeah, and, and I, I, you know, I had told George that because of that, that you know, she, her chances were probably not going to be as good. But then, you know, and, and because they say that, you know, at a certain age, they, they reach a certain age and then they die because of, you know, the, the, the illness or 
And but so that's the thing, Mr. Bossy. That, that's the you know who are we to anyone? Yeah, we want to let choice. them. We want to let them. You know, and end their life when when the good Lord wants to take them, not when we want to, yeah. or because it's convenient, because it's expensive. And that's probably what the doctors were looking at. Is oh, it's expensive and it's an inconvenience. We got other people here that we want to uh, take care of. You know. So, Miss Hickson, what can we do to help you? How can if someone wants to reach out? I know you have a Facebook page. Can you tell people like yes. how to support you? So I can also, I'm going to send you, because you mentioned about the support as well. Um, there is a toolkit that we have that um, everyone can take a look at. If you can, you know, take a look at that to send a letter to your um, house representative in your area. Um, if you are in Texas, I'll send you that um, to post on your page. And I'll also post it as well. There is a Facebook page, uh, Justice for Michael Hickson as well. And I, I give updates on what's going on as far as um, the case itself litigation also anything related to the bill will be posted on there and anything else any content um that talks about um michael hickson will be there as well and have you have you thought about sending um uh a vi that video or or uh, talking to um writing a letter to um uh, the media like uh, msnbc the rachel meta or any of those people they're, so, they're always looking at uh, opportunities to to bring up you know you know, the interesting yeah. thing, Mr. Bautista, and I, you know, I posted this the other day, actually, on the, on the Justice for Michael Hickson um, Facebook, is that, you know, a lot of, this doesn't really get a lot of attention. Um, oh, but the sad, it, because, and I believe this firmly, because this concerns someone with a disability, it doesn't get the attention that it should. Mm -hmm. He is, he is a black man that was, you know, not given treatment based on his disability but I know i've i've sent tweets um to rachel maddow i've sent um good good i'm, I'm tried to reach them but yeah. unfortunately that's not what people that's not what a lot of journalists are interesting interested in putting out there you know so it just you know if, i mean, you know if anyone wants to send anything to rachel i'm not opposed to that because <laughs> right? i would love to let people know that this is something that happens this didn't just start last year. Well, no. you know, like Nicole oh. and them, you know, they're always talking about, oh, you know, they're always talking about uh, doing things for for people who who are, you know, are in in need. And and this, I think it's not just like you said. Um, I think it's partly because he's black. Yeah, I mean, I'm I sorry, but, you know, the the the, ra the race issue. You, you may you may not think it's there, but it is. It's there. And Most not definitely. only that, but the thing is, you know. With people with disabilities, like you said, uh, Miss Hickson, is that it's not given the 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 value that it should be given but just because of that issue. And now the race plays card plays in it. You know, that's another thing. But I know what you mean because I know myself as a person with a disability. And Mr. Bautista could say that our expect or people expectations of us are lowered. Yeah. Oh yeah, by a lot. Yeah. Like, for example, when they know Mr. Bautista's uh, a retired um, uh, teacher, like really. He was a teacher, and uh, like me myself, and I'm a child support officer. Really, and I'm like, what did you what did you expect us to be at home? Yeah, eating don dons on the on the sofa. Exactly. I mean, and like your husband, I bet you he was, he was a smart man, but yet, you know, he has all these mental uh, or uh, medical issues, and they're like, oh no, he's, he's, his quality of life is not there. He's gone. Yeah, and, that's, and, that's, that's really not like right. The, yeah, that really yeah. is. So, I really hope people reach out to you, uh, uh, Miss Simpson, to support this bill. The next step for the bill, do you know what might happen right now or not yet? Yeah, so the next step is for it to actually go to the calendars um, portion and then hopefully move on to the Senate. Um, once it does that, then we have to wait for 
approval from, um, I believe, Dan Patrick and then um, Governor Abbott. So we'll we'll see what happens. As it, as it moves you know, Governor along. Abbott is, is on a, in a wheelchair, and you'd think that he would be reaching out to you. Uh, yeah. Immediately, you know, and saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a disabled person. I don't like what I see. And then what the thing is, too, like, like you're saying, and this, this is true, folks. You got to understand, it's happening everywhere. Not only Austin or Texas. It's happening here in El Paso, too. I guarantee it. Oh, I yeah. guarantee it. Yeah. And yeah. we're not, like you said, Ms. Hickson, it's not giving value because it's, oh, whatever. You know? But it was somebody famous or somebody that maybe got mm-hmm. in a car accident as a football player or a basketball player or, or a politician or actor or something that. Then it gets attention. Yeah, yeah quality of life. And that's not right. It really isn't. So I just hope um, that people reach out to you through this conversation that we're having. And um, and uh, don't give up. Uh, make sure that uh, that pe- pe- the right people that need to hear it, that they hear it, because then then, then we can you know make them uh, accountable. Yeah. So for, those who are watching, uh, we have a vast group of people that are watching because I'm gonna post this on everything I can. Do me a favor, folks, if you really can, and not not for me, for Michael Hicks Hickson. If you know a politician, a state senator, or a state this or a state that, tag them. Put them in this post. Let yeah. them hear Miss Hickson's voice. Make him a Because she wants justice for Michael Hicks. Yeah. Hickson. You know, and that's all you want, right? Man, I mean, nothing, you know. That's it. That's all that I want is justice for him. And yeah. to, for this to make a difference for other people. Amen. Um, I know I've heard from a lot of people telling me that, you know, we've known that this happened all along. It's just that this was actually caught on tape. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So now there's proof yeah, that yeah. it really does happen. Yep. Yeah. And that's the thing that's it's happening every day. Yeah. It's happening to, but yeah. yet it's a silent thing where don't talk about it. Shh, don't, nah, nah. Mm-hmm. Let's, yeah. let's, let's talk about the dog that crossed the street and got hit by a car. You know what? Let me tell you this. And I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. A few years ago, here in El Paso, this is what I'm trying to put in context for what Ms. Hickson was saying. It just popped in my head. Several years ago, I want to say three years ago, here in El Paso, they had we had the first annual accessibility summit. Okay, a first, the city's first one. Okay, so we thought media was going to come. Meh, not really. You know what was running on the news that night with six? You know what was, you would think the news would be there? The first accessibility summit, right? No, mm-hmm. it was about a damn uh bobcat that was running in the around the west side and oh running in people's yards. Running loose, yeah. Remember that? I'm like yeah. Yeah. I'm like, seriously? Really? <laughs> I'm like, man, oh man. But yeah. But hopefully with this we, we could help you with that process of bringing justice for Mr. Hickson because I mean people with disabilities deserve that. All of us yeah. deserve that. It's just not right because you know for example, and let me tell you another story. I, I we have a few years ago uh, uh elderly woman, her husband died. And she had no kids. And she, of course, living with him. He passed away. She was blind. That's it. From diabetes. Guess what? The state put her in a nursing home. Okay? Just for that. Yeah. And I'm like, she could live on her own. She could, you know, but yet the city said her quality of life yeah. is not yeah, there. Because, so it, because they don't know what people with disabilities are capable of doing. They just always, they always say, we understand, but you until you're there, you you can't possibly say you understand, and that's the problem. You know, that's it's the same thing that happens to blind people. You know, because we're blind, we're not supposed to be able to do this or do that. Um, you know, so, did, have they ever done this to you, Mister Bautista? When you're, you know, I bet you your husband being, you know, when he's towards, when he was blind, people yell. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. yes, I'm not deaf, yes. I'm blind. 
They do that to him all the time. They would come in the room and they would just start screaming at him, (laughs) Mr. Hickson, how are you today? I'll never forget it. And I'll say, he is, he can't see, but he can hear. Yeah. I can hear. Yeah. (laughs) Just just don't ask my wife. Anyway, the thing is, uh, Ms. Hickson, thank you so much for coming on, telling your story. You're more than welcome to come back um, to talk about issues that you feel are important because voices need to be heard. That's why we we started this, this uh, program to mm-hmm. give the voices. I mean, we're a small program. I get it, but you never know that one and if, home. And run. if you get some uh, results uh, that you know that, uh, please come back and 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 let us know. Let the let our listeners know. You know what results you've gotten, uh, whether they're you know positive or negative. But well, so that we can uh, you know kind of co- stay up with the story. Will do. And I thank you all for having me on today to let me talk about it as well, giving me the opportunity to share the story um, about Michael. Thank you so much. This is serious. If you want to come on and be our third third uh, guest, our third host, you're more welcome because <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you bring what it is. You know what it is, uh, Miss Hickson, is, is you could be bitter. You could be angry. You could be just vicious, but you're not. You're not because I think you bring it from the heart because you want justice for Michael. And I, I think that shows in your voice, your attitude. All right. And with that, we will we'll go ahead and uh, go. Uh, we're going to come back with Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Zildorf. He wants to talk about his brother is on the spectrum, on the autism spectrum. He wants to talk about that. And I just want to say, we want voices to be heard. And you're welcome to stay, Ms. Simpson, uh, participate in that discussion. If you're not, I understand that. So we're going to take a little break. Uh, we're going to come, you know, play the intro and come right back. Uh, Ms. Simpson, again, God bless you, ma'am. And we'll be right back. Thank you. <laughs> 